0: Well, again, welcome. So good to have you here as we celebrate this beautiful season of the year. Let me just tell you a little bit about where we're going in some of the days that are ahead. Of course, we have uh, the Christmas Day service. We've been talking about that. We're going to have a few different people from our staff sharing with you on that day their favorite Christmas verse and uh, digging into what's behind those verses and uh, what uh, we learn about Jesus in those. And so we certainly hope you're going to be back for that. Be singing a lot of songs, a lot of carols as we have that time together. And I've been telling you about that. Then, kicking off the next week, which is New Year's weekend, we're going to be starting a new sermon series. And you have the little card for it in your pathway notes. It's this: it's making sense of the Bible sense of the Bible. This, I believe, is something that is going to be very useful for all of us because we all from time to time have questions about the Bible. Where does it come from? Where did we get the Bible? Given how old it is, is it even reliable? What about all the different translations that we find? The English translations. Can those all be trusted? And how do you make sense of what's in there? How do you how do you learn it? How do you study it? How do you take and apply the things? Because I don't always understand everything that is written in there. We're going to be diving into all of that for a three-week series that again kicks off. Not this weekend, but the following weekend, New Year's weekend, and for three weeks, we're gonna be digging into that. And uh, I think this is gonna be very useful for all of us. And then we're gonna be jumping into a study through one of the Gospels. After that, I'm very much looking forward to that as well. But you might have somebody else in your life who's like, you know what? I'm not sure the Bible can be trusted. And, and can you, do you really live your life by that thing? And, and all of those sorts of questions, we're gonna be digging into that. <clears throat> and so I hope that you will be planning to come back and And bring somebody with you (coughs) as we work to make sense of the Bible starting a week from this weekend. So I hope that you will join us for that. You know, it's been said that Christmas is a time to believe, And I believe that that's true, and there are many different things that we can grab onto. In fact, there's a number of things that have been said that different people do believe about this particular season of the year and the things that surround it. There's some people who believe that if you take and bring an evergreen tree into your house, that that home will be blessed with life and fertility, people that believe that. Now, you don't get the same blessing if you bring in an artificial tree just so you know. All right, so I thought we'd take, as we oftentimes do, that, uh, that age-old um, survey to see how many of you have the real tree in your house. All right, how many of you have the artificial tree in your house? All right, I've noticed as these years have gone by that a lot more people have the artificial tree, but have you ever noticed that the people who have the real tree kind of have an attitude? <laughs> have you noticed that? It's like, yeah, we're the people who still really celebrate Christmas, right? Yeah, you saw it with just the way their hands went up right there. Some people believe that there's extra life and fertility that comes for those who have the real tree, and and I can see it on the faces of those of you who have the real trees. Another thing that is believed about Christmas or at, at Christmas time is that you should not give anybody the gift of shoes at Christmas. And the belief behind this is that if you give them shoes, that that person is going to walk out of your life in the year that's ahead. People really believe this. So, (laughs) on the flip side of that, if somebody gives you shoes this Christmas, you might just want to ask them what that means. All right? Now, certainly around um, New Year's, there are also a lot of different beliefs that are out there. You're familiar probably with the belief that, that uh, you should kiss somebody, right, at or at least the tradition of kissing somebody right as it turns into the new year. You might not know that uh, what stands behind that is the belief that if you kiss somebody within the first minute of the new year, that you will not be lonely that whole year. That's a, a real belief that people have out there. Now, that's as long as you know the person that you're kissing. <laughs> if you don't, if you just kiss a stranger, you still won't be lonely, but it's just the people keeping you company are going to be your cellmates. So, a lot of different things that are believed in this particular season of the year, and we haven't even gotten to alien life forms and flat earth, and whether or not Jack and Rose could both have survived on the door there on the Atlantic. You know what I'm talking about, right? Right. We're going to be talking about belief here together today, and specifically I want to talk about what it means to make room to believe simply. We're talking in this season about making room, to make room to believe simply. So much of what is around us, so much of what it means to follow after God, even I believe has become very, very complicated, when it doesn't need to quite be Now, to get our answers or to move our way along in this topic, we're going to look at a couple of very familiar verses from the Bible. And they talk about Jesus coming into our world. But they also tell us why he came. In fact, one of them is perhaps, probably, the most familiar verse in all of the Bible. See if you recognize it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It goes on. The verse that follows it is also important. Listen to how it talks about Jesus coming. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Those verses, as you perhaps very well know, are from John chapter 3. We're going to look at a few verses from John 3 today, and if you want, you can open up to that passage. Some of you even have your journals along with you. Do bring those back again. We're going to finish up on Christmas Day. We're going to finish up this series. Bring them back for the new series also, because we're going to use them one last time for that last series, and uh, then we'll be on to a new scripture journal after that. John chapter 3 is where we're going to be. I'm going to put the verses on the screen as well, so, so if you want to just sit back and, and listen and ponder as we go, that's fine too. Now, not only are these verses very familiar, they're also very powerful. At Christmas, we talk about certain pieces of the Christmas story a lot, and there are things we want to know. We talk a lot about, about where is Jesus from, or where did it happen? Where did Jesus come? In, in Bethlehem, of course. We talk about how He came by way of a virgin birth. We talk about when He came in the fullness of time, but none of those things really matter all that much if we don't also understand why Jesus came. And Jesus Himself here in John chapter 3 helps us to understand that. At the beginning of John 3, we're introduced to a guy named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a member of the Sanhedrin, which is the Jewish ruling council. And some people have related that sort of to our, our U.S. Supreme Court. So he had risen as high as you can rise in the Jewish religious structure. He had as much status as anybody did in that day. He was one who knew essentially everything when it came to Israel's religion. Yet he's a guy who we find here is is wrestling a little bit with this guy, Jesus. And you can start to see it here in verse 2 of chapter 3 of John. It says, he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi... We know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Nicodemus is wrestling with his lifelong belief system, what he's believed at all points, that together with this one that he is seeing now with his own eyes right before him, and the miracles that he is doing, and the things that he is doing, teaching. See, the problem for Nicodemus was that Jesus didn't fit his categories. He'd already made up his mind about so many things. He was very militant in his belief about the Old Testament law and what that should do for you and how you needed to follow after it in a certain way in order to find God's favor. And he took, he took great pride in, in believing that he was in God's favor because of, of his morality, because of the way that he lived his life. If there was anybody who could be confident about their standing before God, it was him. If those really were the things that could or should give you confidence in your standing before God. Unfortunately for him, he's, <laughs> he's watching or moving after the wrong standard, and so Jesus wastes no time pointing it out. Verse 3 says, Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. This is not what Nicodemus wanted to hear. Remember, again, Nicodemus lived his life, according to the Old Testament law, he lived his life striving to work in such a way that he would gain God's favor. And so he lived by ritual, and he lived by regulation, and he lived by laws, and he lived by ceremony, and he, and he lived by human attainment, and he lived by status and legalism and so many other works-based things. And it looked good. In fact, it looked very good. If you would have been there at the time and you would have met Nicodemus, you would have liked him. You would have thought, this is a guy who's got his act together. If you would have been a young lady at the time, this is the sort of guy that your mother has been telling you to bring home, for heaven's sakes. He was that guy. And on the outside, it looked like he had everything going for him, but on the inside, he's empty. And he's starting to pick up on the fact that there is something that has been missing all along the way. That's why Jesus tells him he needs to be born again. Well, Nicodemus doesn't follow that line of thought at all, what Jesus is actually saying to him, because in his mind what he's picturing and what he's thinking Jesus is saying is that he needs to actually go back into his mother and be born out again which, you have to say, would be a very unusual delivery, to say the least. In our house this season... We are anticipating or we are thinking about a delivery that we are going to be experiencing in our family as well. I told you a little while back that, that uh, our daughter is pregnant and she'll be, or she's expecting, and here in a few months we're going to have our first grandchild. And we are very excited about that, to say the least. Now, I'd always been told that as a grandfather-to-be that uh, there really aren't that many requirements. You pretty much just have to show up and spoil the child and send them back home to his parents. That's what I've always been told a grandfather does. But now I'm being told, now that it's actually going to happen, I'm being told that there are some other requirements that are on me. One of those is that I have to choose my own name for what I want to be called. Those of you who are grandparents, you, you know this, I guess, already. I didn't know this. I've got to choose my own. That's a lot of responsibility, I mean, this kid's going to be calling me this forever, as well as probably successive generations, and I don't want the kid to be embarrassed when, you know, when they show up at Grandparent Day at school or something, right? And so somebody said to me, well, why don't you just go online and get some ideas? And so I did that, and I read some of the lists, and apparently I'm supposed to be called something like Popsy, or, or Pawpaw was one on there, or Grandgramps was another one which is hard enough for me to say, let alone a poor little kid to learn how to say. So I went to some other sites and, and they were suggesting maybe hipper names for me, like Big Daddy <laughs> or g Dog. And I can just imagine that, you know, I, the, the, the poor little kids there in you know, first grade or six-year-old or something and I show up and the teacher's like, oh, Is this your grandfather, honey? He's like, no, this is (laughs) G-Dog. I mean, it might be worth choosing that name just for that moment alone. Well, I didn't know there were all of these responsibilities, but we are very much excited about the days that are coming and what we have to look forward to with this birth. Well, Nicodemus isn't looking forward to what he's thinking that Jesus is telling him is coming, because this is something that is very unusual in his mind. But, but Jesus is clear to make him understand that he's not talking about a physical rebirth. He's talking about a spiritual rebirth, that that's what's on his mind here. And just as there's nothing that you can contribute to accomplishing your physical birth, what the message ultimately here, is here is there, there's nothing that you can do to contribute to your spiritual birth rebirth either. And that's what's messing with Nicodemus, because again, he has given his life to doing things to gain the favor of God. He's been doing things. There are works, rituals, behaviors in which he has been putting his hope, in which he has been putting his trust. And if Anything, anyone could get to the place where they could have confidence in what they'd done. It was this guy right here. But Jesus comes along and he says that's not the way that it goes. And it's, it's not all that surprising that Jesus says that, but neither is it all that surprising that we find Nicodem- Nicodemus at the place that we do. Because the message that he was living out is the message that he had been taught and the message that his parents had been taught, and that his parents had been taught, and that their parents had been taught, and that their parents had been taught. That this is the way that you did it. In fact, that's a lesson that is a, that is a lesson that is still being taught to people all over the world today. Because the truth is that every religion, every religion on the face of the earth declares this same message. That there is a standard of behavior that you need to live up to, and if you live up to that standard of behavior, then God or your higher being is going to look favorably upon you. But if you don't live up to that standard, then watch out. You're going to be in trouble. So, people all over the world are trying to do certain things and pray certain prayers and live up to certain pillars and certain sacraments so that they might gain the favor of God. Every religion is focused in that very thing, but that doesn't get it done. Of course, it's a lesson that we need to learn as well. We also have this sense that there's something that we need to do, something we need to contribute, something that we need to to act on in order that there would be God's favor that would come our way because we're accustomed to this idea that there's nothing of real value that ever comes to us for free right? But what God is doing is He's turning that on its head in Jesus. God breaks that rule. Paul tells us, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, many translations say the free gift of God, though that's really redundant because any gift is free. You're not in a couple of days going to open up a gift and then have somebody hand you a bill for that gift. At least, I hope it doesn't happen that way at your house. But the free gift of God is eternal life. There was nothing that was required of you to work at, a ritual for you to perform, a ceremony for you to act out, a sacrament for you to follow in order that this would be your experience. The gift is all the work of Jesus. You don't have to do anything to earn it, and as you think about that, actually the more that you do to try to earn it, the more that you are discrediting the work of Jesus, that you're suggesting that it was insufficient because you had to do something to fill in the gaps where what he did wasn't enough. So, he says, look, Nicodemus, here's how it works. For God so loved you, in fact, God so loved the world that he gave his Son Remember Jesus come into our world that he gave his only son. That whoever, whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. And right in there is the key. Did you see it? Did you hear it? Whoever believes in him. Doesn't say whoever works just the right way for him. Doesn't say whoever follows the right pillars or the right sacraments will have eternal life. It says, whoever believes will have eternal life, period. That's a beautiful thing, but it challenges our our assumptions in the way that we tend to approach things. Jesus has done all the work necessary for you to have eternal life. We are celebrating His coming into our world in humility, but He didn't ultimately come to be born. He came so that he might die. See, we have a sin problem that separates us from a holy God. And if you were able to work your way beyond sin or work in such a way that you didn't sin, then you'd be in great shape. But you can't, and you didn't. All of us sinned and fell short of the glory of God. But the good news is the work that needed to be accomplished is the work that Jesus came to do. You didn't have to help Him onto the cross. You didn't have to help Him down. You didn't need to hold Him there. You didn't need to convince Him to go. He went through His love on its own, on your behalf. And because Jesus died for you, you can have access to God. That is the most beautiful news that there ever has been or ever will be. Even if you are one who would say, you know what, I've spent most of my life actually turning my back on God. I've spent most of my life running the other way. I've been spending most of my life disinterested in following God, and so I really don't have much of a sense that all of a sudden now I could just say, yeah, I believe, and then everything's fine. Yeah. You can say, because it hasn't been based on what you've accomplished, what you've done, the work that you have carried out, it's based on the work that He has done. All that's required is that we would make room to believe simply, to believe in the love of God that brought Jesus to be born in Bethlehem, that He would ultimately die for the sins of mankind, to believe that it's a matter of putting our faith in Him, to believe that it is all the work that He has done and not something that was required of us, to believe that, require, that regardless of what my background has been, that God's love extends all the way to me. That's the beauty of it. So, this Christmas Eve season at Pathway, we want to invite you to make room, to believe simply. Let go of the notion that you can earn your way to God or that you need to, Let go of the notion that there are things that you can do, that if you don't do them, if you don't act on those certain behaviors, that there's no way that God could extend his love to you. Let go of the cycle of sin, followed by guilt, followed by a promise to do better, followed by sin, followed by more guilt, followed by another promise to do better, and the cycle just going over and over, but never any transformation. The transformation doesn't come out of your effort, and that's where many of us have been. And it's why we're frustrated, because we've tried to accomplish it, but we could not get it done. It's because we were resting in the wrong thing. What God calls us to, what Jesus came to provide, was a way to eternal life with Jesus. And it comes to whoever believes, whoever believes. The more that we rest in what we have done, the further we walk ourselves away from God. Now, does that mean that doing good things are just don't, I don't have to worry about that anymore? No, those are going to be present as a fruit of the fact that there is a belief that you are walking in fellowship and in harmony with God. Those things are going to be desires of your heart to live out you may be here today as one who is maybe never understood or has maybe always kept Jesus at an arm's length because of guilt. Well, He's inviting you in. He's inviting you to make room to believe simply and experience the fullness of relationship with Him. Bow your heads with me. If this is where you find yourself to be today, at this place where you recognize you've been trying to do things to prove to God that, that you're worthy, you've been holding on to the way that your life compares to somebody else and, and saying, well, I think I'm going to do pretty well when it comes to Judgment Day, or whatever other circumstance might be the thing that has held you apart from God, that today would be the day that you would transition from resting and, and trusting in what you have done to throwing yourself completely into the arms of Jesus and resting in what He has done. What that's going to require of us is that we would make room, that we would clear our minds of attitudes and and beliefs that require something of us that diminish what Jesus has done and that we would walk fully with Him. And if that's something that resonates with you, a decision that you would desire to make in your own heart, I invite you this Christmas to make that decision, to believe simply and experiencing the fullness of Jesus. If that's what you'd like to do, I'd like to invite you to to pray and just to tell God this is what my heart's desire would be. and It could be something simple like this, and you might want to just say this in your own heart as I pray, dear God, I've allowed myself to be convinced by things that have drawn me away from You, perhaps even thinking I was walking more closely only to discover I was walking further apart. This day, I want to set all of that aside and I just want to make You my Lord, to declare my belief, to confess my sin, and I ask for your forgiveness. Lord, be my Lord. Be my Savior. Thank you for coming into our world that I might experience life. I receive it now. As I believe simply in your word and in your promise. Heavenly Father, I thank You for all who are wrestling in these moments with belief, with the simplicity of it. It sounds too simple, it almost sounds too good, but Lord, I pray for those who have made this decision in their mind and in their heart, I pray for those who are ones who have made that decision in the past and others who are wrestling with, do I make this choice? do I not? Lord, I just pray that you would reveal yourself afresh and anew, just as Jesus came to reveal you to us. Show yourself to us again. And friend, if you're here today and that was a prayer that you prayed, I rejoice with you. We rejoice with you. And we love to know about that. It's important that we would make testimony to testify about the belief that is in our heart. And so before you go, on that Connect card, just write on there, I trusted Jesus today. And drop it in one of those buckets on your way out, and we'll know, and we can celebrate with you. We can rejoice in the fact that you have put your belief simply in Jesus. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love, which we celebrate this time of year, Jesus coming, that we might have life, that we might have hope. We celebrate it together in the name of Jesus, our Savior, Child King. Amen.
1: A family hiding from the storm Found no place at the keeper's door It was for this a child was born To save a world so cold and hollow A sleeping town they did not know That lying in a manger low a Savior King who had no home Has come to heal our sorrows Is Is there room in your heart? Is there room in your heart? Is there room in your heart? For God to write His story Shepherds counting Sheep at night Do not fear The glory Light You are precious In His sight God has come To raise the lowly Is there room in your heart? Is there room in your heart? Is there room in your heart For God to write His story? You can come as you are it may set you apart when you make room in your heart and trade your dreams for his glory make a room in your heart make a room in your heart Promise time, every wrong will be made right. The road is straight, the burdens lie, for in his hands he holds tomorrow. Is there room in your heart? Is there room in your heart? Is there room in your heart for God to write His story? You can come as you are. It may set you apart. When you make room in your heart and trade your dreams for His glory. Your heart, make a room in your heart, make a room in your heart, make a room in your heart. so much for being here. Before you go, let's stand and sing this together. Oh, come let us adore Him. Oh, come let us adore Him. Oh, come let us adore Him. Christ the Lord, you
0: alone
1: We give you all the glory
0: Thank you again for joining us today and we look forward to seeing you again soon on campus or right here online. Merry Christmas and have a wonderful week everybody.